Oh wow, this is beautiful out here. Let's check on this chicken. Smells good. Woo, looks good. Hey, what's going on? I didn't know you were listening over there. How's it going? Welcome to Gordon Speaks. We're just a variety show that talks about various topics, man, ranging from music to horror movies to cultivation to travel to quantum physics. I have various guests and uh, all sorts of different segments that are guaranteed <laughs> to ignite your auditory and imaginative senses. If you like to laugh, if you like to smile, if you dig some variety in your life, come on over to Gordon Speaks. Check us out. We'll be here on the dock. Peace. said that the universe is not only stranger than you think, it's stranger than you can think. If you're green, you grow. If you're ripe, you rot. So I like to stay green until I'm <laughs> not here anymore. Just keep learning because that's what it's all about. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Bigfoot and the Citizen Scientist podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I want to thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or story you would like to share, you can email me at sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com. Or if you're listening in on Anchor.fm, hit that message button and leave me a voice message. Also, you can call and leave a detailed message including your encounter or experience and your name and contact information on our new voicemail line at 641-715-3900, extension 448-449. That's 641-715-3900-448-449 for the extension. Either way works, just send me those accounts. Today, we dive into Southern California's Yucca Man. Mainly sighted in the deserts of Southern California, there has been long-documented sightings of these desert-dwelling creatures and no one knows for sure what they are. Sasquatch? Alien? Some other cryptid? 
I'll give you what evidence I could find and fit into this episode, and you come to your own conclusions. Along with information, lore, and stories included, I had the honor of interviewing Johnny, a close relative of someone who had a chance encounter and sighting of this unknown phenomenon. So buckle up for his mind-blowing story of what his aunt and uncle experienced. Sit back, relax, and enjoy his presentation on The Yucca Man. One Southern California resident is sure she spotted one in the forest in Lake Arrowhead. And now, Free Enterprise reports, she is filing a lawsuit against the state of California to recognize and protect the species. Claudia Ackley claims she saw the creature in a tree while on a hike with her two daughters. She even got a cell phone video, which ABC 30 reported, but it was nearly dark and the video is less than convincing. When she called local authorities, they dismissed it and assured her it was just a bear. But she claims she knows what she saw. He looked like a Neanderthal man with hair all over him. She said about the creature, her lawsuit hopes to force the state to officially recognize the species in order to protect the creature and the public. In the meantime, Ackley is leaving out fruit and snacks in hopes of making contact once again. My daughters were about 10, 20 feet behind me. And I, as I turn around, I'm looking straight and I see the creature on that tree. So what I do is I continue walking closer to, to try to tell myself, am I seeing a shadow at tree stump? At that point, I see his head turn. So I know that I'm not looking at a shadow. And this is where he I He weighed stop. about 800 this pounds. Is where everything pretty much happened. He had hair all over him, orangutan color. He also um, did not show his teeth, but he had black solid eyes and this is where he was at. My daughter saw two of them running at this point, where we have a 13 inch print in this area, and she and they run back here with the, with the big guy. So there was a total of three Sasquatches that day. At that point, he started rocking back and forth, and that's when I knew it was time for us to go. Kern Valley, California. This happened in 1973 or 1974 in the Kern Valley near the Kern River, California. The woman was 18 years old at the time and she was staying with a 17-year-old friend. The girls were sleeping in an 8-foot trailer outside the friend's home while her two brothers were sleeping in another trailer nearby. At about 2 a.m., the trailer began rocking and the girls decided to open the curtains to scare the boys back. Upon opening the curtains, they saw a 10 to 11 inch wide face with glowing red eyes. It had broad shoulders and that was all they could see. They later estimated its height at approximately 8 feet. The girls ran to the boys trailer but the boys had already run into the house. In the morning they saw that the trailer the girls had been in was tipped over. They gave a report to the sheriff in the morning and signed an affidavit. The sheriff said others had also reported sightings. The witness remembers it as very large and that there were many newspaper reports of sightings in the area at the time.
There are many versions of the age-old story. A marine is assigned to a remote area of 29 palms when he suddenly finds himself alone, in the dark, and being circled by a wild, growling beast. He pulls up his weapon and flashlight to see an eight-foot-tall hairy creature on two legs with glowing red eyes. The marine then is either knocked cold or passes out from fear, awakening to find his weapon bent or broken in half. Another marine survives his encounter with the Yucca Man, a Bigfoot-like beast of military legend, and the story is given new life. Yucca Man sightings have persisted among military personnel as late as 2009. He goes by a number of names, including the Mojave Bigfoot, the Sierra Highway Devil, and even the slightly endearing nickname Marvin of the Mojave. His appearance is not limited to the relative recent arrival of the Marine Corps' Air Ground Combat Center. The native tribes tell stories of hairy devils who have lived in the deserts among the Joshua trees for as long as native tribes have been around. As the area around the San Bernardino Mountains began to develop in the middle of the 20th century, it seems the wild man, the Yucca Man, were pushed out of their native habitat and headfirst into developing civilization. Strange reports of large bipedal beasts were reported as far west as Palmdale and Edwards Air Force Base. Unlike traditional Bigfoot sightings, the Yucca Man was said to be huge, scary, aggressive, fast, and threatening. It was at Edwards Air Force Base, with its numerous security cameras, that reports of the Yucca Man were said to be captured on video. More strange than that, the wild men were said to have actually been caught on camera moving through the guarded, secure underground tunnels that hide the U.S. military's most advanced top-secret technology. In the 1960s and the 1970s, U.S. Air Force police units would be sent on wild goose chases in the catacombs of Edwards Tunnels after the men, who would suddenly just disappear. On Edwards AFB, however, the beast had blue eyes, not red. The blue eyes, according to one air policeman, who was caught alone with the beast, was said to be four inches apart, the eyes of a predator, and rise seven feet off the ground. They glowed blue to the man who was sitting in his police truck. Suddenly, the eyes darted closer and covered half the distance, between the animal and the truck in the blink of an eye. As an overwhelming stench filled the air, the airman took a disturbance call and drove off. The airmen called it Blue Eyes for the rest of their time in the desert, and they still talk about him to this day. This encounter occurred at an area called Middle Fork in California in 1988. I had a very up-close encounter in June 1988 on the North Fork of California's Great Feather River between Laporte and Quincy in a very isolated area. 
This area takes three days to hike in and four days to hike out. There is next to no traffic in this area. On this occasion, it was me and my two dogs by ourselves, and it was a very unnerving experience. I had hiked to this spot in the North Fork of the Yuba and Feather Rivers, a place called Middle Fork. I found a spot near a tree line so I could tie my food up in a tree to keep the wildlife out of it. I made camp and cooked a few trout I caught earlier. The campfire was still burning lightly and I was getting a little tired, so I decided to turn in. It was about 9pm, the fire was now just about out, just smoldering a little so I didn't put any water on it. I just climbed into my tent and laid down on top of my bedroll. I let my dogs run around because they always stay close to the camp, if not in the tent with me. I started to doze off to the crickets chirping, when suddenly I woke up. It was as if I had one of those dreams where you are falling. I could tell there was something very wrong. It was dead quiet. No crickets, nothing. And my dogs came running into my tent shaking. These dogs were very aggressive usually. Not mean dogs, but would bark at anything that came around. One of them was a 95 pound pit bull. I was scared shitless, so I grabbed my rifle and pistol along with a flashlight and stepped outside the tent. I couldn't see anything, but I had that sensation of being watched. I grabbed some firewood and threw it on the embers left from the dinner fire. Then I heard some very heavy footsteps right behind me in the trees. There was also a very strange odor, almost like a cross between a skunk and something dead. This thing circled my campsite all night long. Well, at first light, I packed up and started out, and this thing followed me almost the entire day. I could hear it, smell it, and even saw it through the woods about 75 yards away from me, taking an almost parallel trail to me, as if to make sure I'd leave its territory. I never shot at it with my rifle, as I don't believe in killing things for sport. I have never gone back to that place, but I would love to go on an expedition back there with some other people. Present City, California, August 1995. My wife and I went on what we thought would be our dream vacation. We flew into Portland, Oregon and rented a car at the airport. Our plan was to sightsee around Portland a few days before continuing with the rest of the vacation. Then we drove Highway 99 West to Highway 18 over to I-101 South. We were going to take a few days to drive down to San Francisco. So far everything was going perfect. We put lots of miles behind us before stopping in Crescent City, California that night. We stayed in a hotel just across the street from the marina. We had dinner at the hotel restaurant while we talked about the day's adventures and what we were planning for tomorrow. Then we went back to the room to get some sleep before getting up early and starting on our way. I'm a truck driver by trade and I like to get started early before the morning traffic starts. We jumped in the car and headed south on 101. It took only one minute and Mary was asleep, but she told me to wake her if I saw something for her to look at. It wasn't too long after that when I spotted a beach with black sand, so I pulled over and put the car in park and shut it off. I was going to wake Mary up and see if she wanted to take a walk on the beach. I just started to turn around when I saw something moving out of the corner of my eye. 
I turned to see this big thing standing right in front of my car. At first, I thought it was a bear until our eyes met. I couldn't move or speak. We just locked eyes for what seemed to be forever. It stood about six and a half to seven feet, dark brown matted hair, and was holding what looked to be seaweed, which it used both hands to carry. It didn't seem startled. In fact, I felt it was looking at me with anger in its eyes. It let go a snort and a glob of snot hit the windshield right in front of my face. It then took three or four steps and completely crossed the highway while it was still looking at me. It was then when I heard the squeal of tires and the beeping of a horn. The thing disappeared into the woods and I knew I wasn't the only one to see it that day. I was back on the road in a flash, not even going to ask the other driver if he or she was okay. About a mile down the road, a four-wheel drive pulled up behind me with flashers on, so I pulled over to the side thinking I was getting a ticket. But it was the other driver. I walked to his Jeep and we started to talk about the event. Then my wife started to get out of the car and I told him not to say anything. I just told her I was asking questions about places to see along the way. I never told anyone about that day, which I still lose sleep over. wanted to talk to you folks about the Yucca Man. Now the Yucca Man is a story of a upright hominid species, appears to be about seven to eight feet tall, which you would describe as your classic Bigfoot. Now sightings of this across the United States are not uncommon. Bigfoots are seen all over the place and as we've discussed on this channel there's different varieties, types, behaviors, but what makes the Yucca Man story so odd is one of the hottest regions in the southwest, out by 29 Palms, out in the low desert off the 10 freeway near Palm Springs. Uh, this area out here, just past Big Bear and the Idlewild Mountain Range, and that's important and we'll get to that later. But lots of reportings over the years of a blondish, more slightly built, um, still very tall, built more like a basketball player than like a linebacker style Bigfoot that's been seen wandering the deserts, looking in cars at nights, harassing campers. And around the 29 Palms military base, there's a huge history there, especially through the 70s and 80s, of base guards seeing these things, of them sneaking into the base, uh, getting past fences where they really shouldn't have been able to get past, and, uh, you know, soldiers walking back to the barracks, and just in general, a lot of soldiers encountering these things. And why that is, uh, you know, there's much speculation uh, primarily seen at night because if you're any kind of a big critter like most desert stuff, you're probably going to lay low, find a cave or a tree or a tunnel or something to hide in, something that's going to insulate you from the heat and you're going to come out at night because that's when all the other animals are to hunt and find water and everything else. So it's just really interesting how 29 Palms, uh, base guards, front guards, you know, they'd see this thing running around out there. They'd catch it on camera. There's a lot of, a lot of stories of this, especially in the 70s and 80s before Bigfoot was really you know, in the term of popular culture. So they called it the Yucca Man because it was often seen 
running from tree to tree, hiding behind yuccas, uh, like they would in a pine forest, hiding behind pine trees. There's all, all, all sorts of stories. If you go on the BFRO website and you look up California, then Riverside County, there's a, a few stories of the Yucca Man in there and some of the and some of the, and some of the desert sightings. Pretty fascinating. If you Google it, there's a lot more of, a, of these encounters and some of the history. So that was just to give you kind of an intro to the Yucca Man. So when it comes to photographic evidence of the Yucca Man, a desert Bigfoot, uh, this is going to be very hard to find pictures of. Uh, there's a couple images that are supposedly, this one here looks like on some rocks coming down of a figure leaping. The arms do look a little long, but because uh, that's always the first thing I look for is proportions. Uh, but this is supposed to be the only known picture of the Yucca Man. I found it on the internet. I don't know any history about this picture. It looks old. It looks like it's actual film and not uh, and not a digital image. Uh, it's pretty interesting. It looks like, you know, you can see a picture running from rock to rock. It definitely almost looks like snow there, but it looks like uh, which parts of the desert going up in the mountains, the more high desert regions do get snow. Uh, and here's another image. This one's a little more famous. I used it on another video where I kind of talk a lot about this subject as well, uh, my desert Sasquatch video. And uh, this one is odd because it does have a very Bigfoot-like appearance with no neck and broad shoulders and very hairy, but it almost has a certain wispy spirit-like look to it as well. And uh, just a certain blur to it, like especially the its left arm, as you can see there, looks like it's kind of fading in and out. I don't know much about this photograph either, but it's certainly very intriguing. It looks like some guys encountered it at night. Now, the Yucca Man in certain areas of the, uh, of the desert regions out there, uh, you, you can see, you know, there's a statue here by the hiking trail in certain areas. Um, it's kind of been a, kind of been a big lore. Now, one of the theories that I have is that these things tend to migrate and probably move around. I doubt in the middle of August, in the hottest part of the year, in the middle of the day, these things would be caught anywhere near out in the open. But uh, if they could find caves and other things to hide in, I think they could do pretty well nocturnally. Now, one of the things that's always um, interesting to me about the description of the Yucca Man is it seems to be a Bigfoot-like creature. I think it's an offshoot of a Type 1 creature, but a lot more slender. Like I said, built more like a basketball player than a football player. Um, generally described as lighter hair. Now, if it's naturally lighter hair or just because spending time in the sun, your hair is going to lighten up. Uh, but generally a little more slender, a little more gray-shell build, supposed to be very fast-moving. Uh, but a lot of hair too, and that might seem counterintuitive, hair in the desert, but it probably does a lot to insulate them from the heat and, you know, does a lot of the same things while you see uh, people cover up in the desert. Uh, now here you see a picture of the Big Bear Mountain Range, and this is important because from the 10 freeway out by the palm trees and the casinos and the open badlands of the desert down there, you can see two big mountain ranges, the Idlewild Mountain Range and uh, the Big Bear Mountain Range. And I think that's important because both those mountain ranges have long histories of Bigfoot sightings. And I think maybe offshoot clans or some of the more foothills in the wintertime, uh, they probably come down to the desert area where it's warmer because it does get a lot of snow and it does get very cold. And then I think other times of year they, they move up and down. Um, as far as in the desert, as far as food, I've spent a lot of time in the desert, more so in the high desert than in the low desert, but I have been in the low desert quite a lot. Um... And the thing that strikes you is really when you're out there in the middle of the day, how desolate it is. But if you go early in the morning 
or at night or even in springtime when the weather's cooler or in the wintertime. But typically in spring, you're surprised by how much life is out there, how many birds, how many lizards, how many frogs, how many turtles, um, how many uh, different types of rodents you see. And uh, especially a desert tortoise would be really easy pickings for a Bigfoot. It could probably just pry the shell right off. Uh, the other thing that is a little bit surprising is when you get into larger food sources like the tortoise I just showed, uh, but when you also get into like deer-sized game and coyote-sized game and uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it's pretty fascinating to me that there's a lot more life out there than you would think foxes and bobcats and everything else. So what makes a desert a desert is a lack of water, kind of like the Gobi Desert and other deserts are very cold. So to me, the number one priority would be water and moisture. And I think it would, if I was a large hominid species, I would be very interested in all the plants and cactuses and succulents out there. And uh, besides water, also salt and nutrients and uh, the nectar and what types of plants and everything else you can eat. Prickly pear is really good and really uh, can save your life out in the desert for the vitamins and nutrients. Plus you gotta remember in Palm Springs, it springs, there's hot, there's hot springs and cold springs out there. Water that comes out of there are oasises. And uh, with humans out there now, there's gonna be all sorts of extra wells and pools and ponds and sprinklers and other things that, and, uh, that I think these things would get water. So as humans have developed there, I think they even just stand even more of a chance, probably more of a chance of getting sighted. But like I said, I think they would stick around at night mostly, uh, but they gotta know where every water hole is and uh, seasonal flash floods and streams and uh, the vegetation that it brings with it. I think that would be very important. Like I said, in the hottest, driest parts of the month, I mean, we're talking May to probably mid-October. They're probably not in the lowest, hottest part of the desert. They're probably moving up into the hills. They're probably purely nocturnal by that point. It's just the only way that makes sense because if you've ever been out in the desert in the hottest part of the year, even in the high deserts where I've been, there's you go out there in 110 degree heat in the middle of the day, there's nothing, nothing. And it's because stuff dies in that kind of heat. Now, the other part that I thought was fascinating is over the years, um, all the, um, a lot of campers have reported stuff. You know, they've seen something moving through the campground in the middle of the night. They've had uh, stuff stolen out of coolers and food missing. And uh, if people leave water out or they have dogs water when they're camping. So campers have had quite a bit over the years. And as we know, this isn't new to Bigfoot behavior. This has been a very classic thing over the years because when you camp, you're pretty much camping in their turf and in their area. And I think they would also see um, campgrounds as a very opportunistic place to steal water, to steal, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they knew what a soda can was, squeezed it, out come this sweet liquid. Um, they're very smart and I'm sure they watch humans all the time eat and drink and see where stuff is stashed and I'm sure they have a good sense of smell. So this isn't new Bigfoot behavior at all, but it's pretty interesting that people who camp out there and the snowbirds and all the people uh, do report seeing them over the years. Although I must say in the last 10 or 15, 20 years, going back to the 90s, the Yucca Man reports are way down. This seems to be primarily like a 70s and 80s type thing. Uh, a lot of reports then, even going back to the early 60s, uh, with the base and everything out there. Uh, and I don't, I just think maybe that's because the population's exploded and expanded so much in recent history and all the campers and explorers and people running their dirt bikes and uh, 
ATVs and all the stuff that, that they do out in the desert, if that's just a proliferation. Or I also think that maybe if they were snooping around a military base long enough in the middle of nowhere, the military was going to send armed guards or special forces or something out to investigate and possibly eliminate these creatures. So very well, they could have died out from natural causes. They moved further back into more uninhabited regions. They went really nocturnal. There's a lot of things that could have happened. Like I said, the government, like we've heard in a lot of other stories, maybe could have killed them off or shot them. Or it could have just been one lone Bigfoot that got exiled out to the desert that possibly uh, that possibly was known for all these Yucca Man sightings and eventually just died of old age or of thirst or had a drought winter or something like that. But anyway, I think it's very fascinating. All over the Southwest, if you look in Arizona and parts of Nevada and Mexico, places you would not expect, mountains, but mountains in a really hot desert, People see these things, and uh, I think they're a lot hardier. I think they maybe migrate and move around a lot more than you think. And, uh, you know, there may be something else to it that I'm missing, maybe a more extreme example or a more paranormal reason why these things are seen out in those areas. Kennedy Meadows, California, 1970s. In 1999, retired Sasquatch hunter Rich Grumley recounted an investigation that occurred west of China Lake, California, in the Sequoias. There was a mountain of a man who lived up there in a place called Kennedy Meadows by the name of Dink Getty. A wrangler of sorts, Getty ran a pack train of mules and horses, usually full of supplies up the trail and into the Lee Vining Bishop area on the eastern slope of the Sierras. Six-and-a-half-foot-tall Getty told Grumley that one night he heard a terrible commotion in the corral. The frenzied horses whinnied, kicked, and stampeded about. Getty went on down there to check out what the tumult was all about, and if a cougar or black bear was marauding about the surrounding eight-foot fence constructed of used telephone poles. Getty found six of his pack team dead, gutted in the corral yard. Nothing was appeared to be eaten or removed. In the same Kennedy Meadows area, another man reported hearing his dogs during the night hours, loudly barking, yelping, and thumping against the side of his mountain home. Suddenly, everything became quiet. The man decided to get up and go out to investigate, and found all the dogs dead. Theorizing they had been swung by the hind legs and slammed up against the side of the house until they stopped barking by someone or something unknown. There are no grizzlies in the Sierras. Rich Grumley. Bear Paw Meadows, Kern River Valley, Kern County, California. 
My brother and I were on a backpacking trip sometime in mid-1987, if my memory serves me correctly. We were hiking the High Sierra Trail from Bear Paw Meadow over the summit into the Kern River Valley. We had made it quite a distance the third day out, about 18 miles, and were exhausted when we stopped at a small lake called Moraine Lake, high above the Kern River Valley. We had seen no other hikers the entire day. As we were sitting in camp at dusk, the quiet was pierced by an unearthly screaming howl of immense volume, emanating from some distance away from us, but carrying quite clearly in the still air. It sounded as if it came from some animal with huge lung capacity and could not be confused with human, bear, or any other sound I had ever heard. The outburst only happened once and trailed off rather than stopping abruptly. Although clearly not human, it somehow seemed sad in tone rather than fierce or threatening. Did you hear that? My brother asked. I sure did, I replied. What do you think it was? He then asked. I have no idea, was my response. We were so tired that we just climbed in the tent and took our chances with whatever was out there. By morning we had forgotten about it. It remained forgotten for days until we got back to civilization and were having a meal of real food at a local diner. The newspaper I was reading carried a story about three men who were repairing a footbridge in the Golden Trout Wilderness area of the Kern River for the U.S. Forest Service. They were experienced woodsmen. One was a 60-year-old Mono Indian. They were frightened severely at dusk one evening by what they described as a nine-foot-tall, hairy beast coming down a hillside at them, screaming loudly. It was a classic Bigfoot sighting, except it was way out of the normal geographic range for sightings, since the Sierras were not a typical Bigfoot area. They fired a shot over its head with a .30-06 rifle, and they were so upset that they packed out to a ranger station that night and made a report to the ranger. The district ranger scoffed at the men as California rangers are given to do, and told them they had seen a bear or cougar. Feeling insulted, the men replied that they knew what bear and cougars looked and sounded like, and that this creature was different, way different. The ranger accompanied them the next morning to the site and saw some large footprints in gravel, but the substrate was nothing a cast could be made from. Destination Mystery paints the story from paranormal content, abnormal adventures, and the fun behind the investigations. Each week, Mike and Melissa will bring a new adventure that includes going to some of the most remote places in the West. They will tell the story behind the investigation and share with you the evidence they discover. This is not your regular paranormal show. These episodes will bring new content from locations that no one would think to investigate or explore. We will not only tell the spooky story, we will go to the location where the spooky story originated. Fasten your seatbelts as we take you on an adventure that will make you question what's normal and what's paranormal. Kennedy Meadows, California, 1970s. In 1999, retired Sasquatch hunter Rich Grumley recounted an investigation that occurred west of China Lake, California, in the Sequoias. 
There was a mountain of a man who lived up there in a place called Kennedy Meadows by the name of Dink Getty. A wrangler of sorts, Getty ran a pack train of mules and horses, usually full of supplies up the trail and into the Lee-Vining Bishop area on the eastern slope of the Sierras. Six-and-a-half-foot-tall Getty told Grumley that one night he heard a terrible commotion in the corral. The frenzied horses whinnied, kicked, and stampeded about. Getty went on down there to check out what the tumult was all about, and if a cougar or black bear was marauding about the surrounding eight-foot fence, constructed of used telephone poles. Getty found six of his pack team dead, gutted in the corral yard. Nothing was appeared to be eaten or removed. In the same Kennedy Meadows area, another man reported hearing his dogs during the night hours, loudly barking, yelping, and thumping against the side of his mountain home. Suddenly, everything became quiet. The man decided to get up and go out to investigate, and found all the dogs dead. Theorizing they had been swung by the hind legs and slammed up against the side of the house until they stopped barking by someone or something unknown. There are no grizzlies in the Sierras. Rich Grumley. Bear Paw Meadows, Kern River Valley, Kern County, California. My brother and I were on a backpacking trip sometime in mid-1987, if my memory serves me correctly. We were hiking the High Sierra Trail from Bear Paw Meadow over the summit into the Kern River Valley. We had made it quite a distance the third day out, about 18 miles, and were exhausted when we stopped at a small lake called Moraine Lake, high above the Kern River Valley. We had seen no other hikers the entire day. As we were sitting in camp at dusk, the quiet was pierced by an unearthly screaming howl of immense volume, emanating from some distance away from us but carrying quite clearly in the still air. It sounded as if it came from some animal with huge lung capacity and could not be confused with human, bear, or any other sound I had ever heard. The outburst only happened once and trailed off rather than stopping abruptly. Although clearly not human, it somehow seemed sad in tone rather than fierce or threatening. Did you hear that? My brother asked. I sure did, I replied. What do you think it was? He then asked. I have no idea, was my response. We were so tired that we just climbed in the tent and took our chances with whatever was out there. By morning we had forgotten about it. It remained forgotten for days until we got back to civilization and were having a meal of real food at a local diner. The newspaper I was reading carried a story about three men who were repairing a footbridge in the Golden Trout Wilderness area of the Kern River for the U.S. Forest Service. They were experienced woodsmen one was a 60-year-old Mono Indian. They were frightened severely at dusk one evening by what they described as a nine-foot-tall, hairy beast coming down a hillside at them, screaming loudly. It was a classic Bigfoot sighting, except it was way out of the normal geographic range for sightings, since the Sierras were not a typical Bigfoot area. They fired a shot over its head with a 30 6 rifle, and they were so upset that they packed out to a ranger station that night and made a report to the ranger. The district ranger scoffed at the men as California rangers are given to do and told them they had seen a bear or cougar. Feeling insulted, the men replied that they knew what bear and cougars looked and sounded like and that this creature was different, way different. 
The ranger accompanied them the next morning to the site and saw some large footprints in gravel, but the substrate was nothing a cast could be made from. Today we got Johnny on the line, who's going to tell us a little bit about some experiences he's heard. So, uh, hello, Johnny. Hello, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Johnny, tell the tell the listeners a little bit uh, about yourself. Don't tell the particulars about where you live or anything, but general area and uh, uh, if you know anything you want to let people know about yourself. Oh, um, yeah. Well, right now I live in the. Uh, North, North, uh, Northern California area, uh, 30 years old, uh, big enthusiast, <laughs> the paranormal, UFOs, what have you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what, what, what kind of got you into this subject? Um, uh, yeah. um, uh, basically I just, uh, always had a fascination with it, like my whole life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, Capricorns are known for that too. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, basically, the, the incident happened to my aunt, and then like you know, I'm telling her like you you need to tell people what happened, what 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 you saw. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm you know I'm out there pushing it. Okay. Well, why don't you why don't you uh, why don't you take us into it? Tell us the encounter. What happened? Um. Okay. Well, basically, uh. In uh, Southern California, <laughs> Yucca Valley, uh, she was driving, her and, her, her and my uncle were driving home, in, like, around the 1990s-ish, uh, when, like, they stopped at a stop sign, and uh, uh, pretty much these two big creatures came stomping around um, right in front of their car, and, like, there's two of them, she said, and they're walking in unison, like, like mirrored, like you know what I mean. <laughs> Everything that he, one did, they're, they're in the same though, in sync. Uh, and stomping, and she said she felt the earth shake with each uh, little step. Uh, yeah, they both uh, were walking, turned, looked at her, and then uh, immediately turned right back and kept walking. There was also a pack of wild dogs around them. But yeah, the, it just kept on marching on, and then like. They're just scared to death. <laughs> okay. That's, yeah. Uh, where, uh, where uh, approximately when and where did this take place? Um, this was uh, at dusk. Uh, it was in pretty much a a somewhat residential neighborhood of a town called Yucca Valley. Um, but like right on the edge of it was like, you know, mountain ranges, uh, no housing. So it's like it's kind of like wandered into. Or I don't know what the deal was, but the whole thing was weird. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I looked into it. Uh, she saw like a Borrego Sandman, I guess. I wouldn't call it a Yucca Man, but I guess that's not PC. <laughs> yeah. For what she saw, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't. I, I've heard of the 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 Yucca Man, the Yucca Man uh, stories. I've heard that name before. Um, right. But uh, yeah. So uh, so wow, that must have been. So it was your aunt and uncle that were driving down the road that saw this, or was it just your aunt? It was my aunt and uncle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my aunt's still. She's still around. My uncle's not. <laughs> sadly, but. Okay. Okay. And uh, did did your aunt know what it was like instantly? Um, no, no, she, they just, they were just taken back in awe of like what these things were. Yeah. She, they were afraid because they were so big that, uh, they were like tipped the car over or whatever. Wow. Yeah. So, do you know, did your aunt or uncle have any, any sort of, uh, idea about the Sasquatch or, uh, any- um, they did. Yeah. She, she kept saying, oh yeah, it's, it's a new one. Uh, they haven't, uh, you know, labeled, <laughs> Out there. Huh. So okay. she she's never heard of it. She, she, it wasn't a big, I don't know, it kind of was a Bigfoot. I told her about that. She said, it walked on four legs. And then, like, uh, I don't know, she said it was only like five feet, four or five feet tall, but uh, hmm. I don't know, but somehow still massive. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, do you, uh, do you oh, know? Oh, and they had human faces too. That was another weird thing. <laughs> the human faces? Yeah, yeah, human faces. That was the creepiest part because they both like, looked at her and looked away. And like, did uh, did your aunt or uncle give you a like a description if you remember on the yeah of what what uh, of of kind of like what the face looked like? Um, uh, not so much. Uh, uh, she just kept saying a human face. <laughs> okay. I just okay. picture a white. I don't know. His <laughs> face. Gotcha. Or, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, like this beast. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know? Did it? Uh, did it have any sort of? I mean, did it scare your aunt, aunt and uncle? Like, do they have any form of like lasting effects after it? Or uh, um, not so much. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just like kind of like one of those stories. Like, uh, uh, from what I gathered, they they're afraid when they got home. Like, oh my god, you know, of course. Okay. But then she's always like warning people, like, hey, don't don't go over that road, you know, which was like a block down from where pretty much we all grew up. Huh. Um, don't go down there because that's where I saw those things, you know. I'm like, huh? That's yeah. pretty crazy, man. Yeah. That's that's and that's that's the uh, Yucca Valley, right, in California area. Yeah, like high desert. Uh, high desert, yeah. Desert Sasquatch, man. I've I've heard I've heard lots of uh, lots of stories about desert Sasquatch. Um, I haven't. Yeah. I've never seen any uh, tracks or anything like that, so I don't know for sure. But there's a lot of uh, high-profile researchers out there that that investigate the the, the high plains and desert area. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been in contact with them too uh, recently. <laughs> Trying to get oh, to yeah. the bottom of this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who all, who, all, who all have you reached out to? Uh, Derek. Uh, Randles? Uh, I forget. Uh, oh, 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 uh, podcast. Uh, uh, yeah. Monsters Among Us. Monsters Among Us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's big on the whole desert Sasquatch thing. Like, yes, that was he a is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That's that's. Cool. Uh, I uh, that's the information I got. They actually have the prints of these things in a museum, the castings. Oh. Yeah, on Portland, Maine. Someone just came across the tracks one day. 
uh, okay. that are also walking in pairs. So these things like to walk in pairs. Okay. But like, I don't know. Huh. The way how close up she was to it and like the whole thing, the, the stray dogs with it, like, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, so uh, you mentioned that a pack of, so your aunt and uncle were driving down the road and they see uh, this, yep, this creature cross the road, but you said right. there was a there was a pack of dogs behind it. Did it? Did she say? Like, where, like, yeah. Did they look They're like, like with it, like a like a wolf pack? Like almost like it was leading the wolf pack. Yeah, like it was the alpha male of this Whoa. makeshift wolf pack. Yeah, but there's two of them, so they're both. So they hunt with it. it was, that's where you can get from that. Like, yeah, that's crazy. And a bunch of like stray wild dogs. Someone's runaway dog. <laughs> you join this thing. And this was this was like right at dusk, like right at nighttime area. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, mm. man, that's that's crazy. Um, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you yeah. uh, have you have you gleaned any more uh, information from your aunt about this? I know you've been kind of deep, uh, diving deep into the subject. Trying to figure out the mystery behind it. Um, uh, obviously, obviously, that you know that that'll spark severe interest because it does me. I've never heard of anything like that, and you got me extremely interested. I'm about to start <laughs> right on. Yeah, off with you. Yeah, no, I I sleep at night, like the where, what, why, but like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Cool, man. Uh. Well. Um. Do you know any any other details about the? The story? Um, um, the ground shaking is another detail. Okay. Like, um, somehow they have tremors they, or something, or they're heavy enough. Uh, uh, I think it's a supernatural effect. Okay. Maybe is my theory. <laughs> but the ground was shaking. Uh, she said it had black fur. Um, yeah, I've been meaning to call her and get some more refreshing details, but I pretty much already, like, picked her brain about it as much as possible yeah yeah um okay uh well you, you said i'm sorry I'm, i i know you already said it but I'm trying to remember you said there was two creatures right that, right okay yeah so it's kind of interesting um and they were obviously bipedal did did she say anything about well quadpedal <laughs> well, well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But um, semi, it looked like they could stand up. Like, yeah, she said that the front arms were like kind of big and massive, kind of like a gorilla. Like, you know. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So, so I'm yeah. just trying to get. I'm trying to paint a picture in my mind of how this would look. Um, I don't, because I don't. You know, I was just uh, hearing a conversation with Cliff Berkman on a, a Zoom call. Uh-huh. A couple other people uh, a couple hours ago. And we were talking about bipedalism, but or uh, I'm sorry, um, uh, quad. You know them all on all fours, quad. Uh-huh. And uh, um, did you do you know? Did she notice? Was it more? Were they more walking on like their knuckles, or was it like a fingertip and more of like a palm out? Do you know? Um, uh, she made it sound like they maybe might have had paws or something. Oh. Yeah, okay. like they're like more like dog-like at the same oh. time. <laughs> so, yeah. It, so okay, so it was like a. So so I I guess what I'm envisioning is like a, a gorilla 
or apish. Man, bear, pig. Man, he managed <laughs> no. like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. So, so very Sasquatch esque, but not. But not his his ugly cousin. Anything's possible, man. Uh, uh, it, it, it looks like a straight freak show. I would think, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you have the you have the dogs coming behind it. Yeah, just, that blows my mind even more. Like I, oh. I, don't, know, I don't know what the what category to put that in. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like these things. Yeah, I was like, oh no, from another yeah. realm for sure. Well, uh, you how about how long have uh, have have you been around that area? Have you have you lived in? Um, I I grew up down there as a kid, up until uh, I was about ten or twelve years old. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, uh, you- I still have family down there at the same place. Uh. Yeah, I moved up here to the other side of the state, so. Gotcha. No, I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened. That was weird. Yeah, like, yeah, no, I, I grew up, like, wandering out in those deserts. Because uh, you just wander and wander and, like, find a whole bunch of stuff, people trash, and it's fun as a that's, kid. That's what I was going to ask. Have you ever come across anything crazy or weird or out of the normal or anything like that? Kind of um, not out there. I've, I've had more weird stuff happen up here. <laughs> I've seen triangular crafts and shadow people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot, a lot of my show is, uh, um, you know, it's all Bigfoot stuff, but I go into quantum physics with uh, with the Sasquatch ideal ideology. Um, and everything that you're kind of describing in my mind fits into the quantum so, I mean, and I, I believe there was a, an event that took place around early 2000 that opened up any, any sort of uh, uh, door, I guess you could say, for quantum physics level entities or beings or whatever to pass through, uh, uh, which is why I think there's a huge uptick in the supernatural Sasquatch experiences. Um, right. Does that have anything to do with CERN? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. Uh, yeah, um, I, that, that's diving into a whole nother aspect of the subject. Of, oh yeah, uh, I, yeah. Um, I, I'm I, I, I don't. I, I don't mind getting into that side, but uh, um, I, I with this show, I try to keep a completely uh, scientific aspect. Uh, to oh, okay. Too. Um, and uh, not to say that there's not scientific uh, um, backings on what we're talking about. Right. There is, uh-huh. but uh, but uh, it's yeah. So um, but it it just kind of interests me, man. Um, because I have this theory, and I got you're the second encounter I've ever heard of uh, um, some sort of unknown being, not necessarily a Sasquatch, but an unknown uh-huh. being being out in the desert area. Um, and it's it's interesting. I find it very interesting. Uh, right. So you know, and uh. So that's um, I'll have to do some research and uh, fill out this episode with a whole bunch of backstories and whatnot on the uh, on the mon- uh, uh, what, what's the name of it? What's the name of the? Um, of the- well, it's better known as Bar- a Borrego Sandman. Borrego Sandman. Okay. Uh, oh, it has so many names. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, it goes. 
uh, Zubies, uh, Hairy Devils. <laughs> okay. Uh, talk what the Indians called them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was another thing too. Was my aunt actually asked the Indian tribe out there uh, about these things, and and like they already had a name for it, uh, which she didn't remember, but I looked up later, which was Talkwees. <laughs> Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm this thing's been around since like the 1800s. I'm pretty sure. That's I know when I'm looking. I, I just, I'm just uh, checking out some stuff on the internet right right now, and uh, it's yeah, it's been around for a while. Uh, I see. Uh, it's the there's a twenty the twenty nine palms stocking a marine there. I guess there's a. Uh, you know anything about that? Yeah, I guess uh, they saw some big creature with glowing red eyes. Uh, knock. He got knocked unconscious. The whole thing about his gun being twisted. Wow, that's um. I yeah, think I, I think I think that might be a different one. Okay. Uh, Hello. Me... Okay. Sounds like uh, I'm here. But yeah, like if if you read the stories, there's like there's kind of like two different entities out there, two different you know, with two different capabilities. <laughs> okay. Yeah, one one might be quad and the other's bi. Is what I can gather. That uh, yeah, this is uh, this is pretty crazy, man. I had no clue. There's a, a whole, like, uh, a whole, uh, the occultmuseum.com. Yeah. Has all sorts of stuff on it I'm looking at. It's pretty crazy. Uh, like, uh, oh yeah, it's, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> it's, uh, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Let's do this so our viewers can see. Got. Oh yeah. Can you can you see this share screen? Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is what I'm pulling off of. This you guys can find this on theoccultmuseum.com right here. But it's I mean it's all here. This is history. First sighting of the Yucca Man was reported in '71. Marine on guard. Okay, yep, and this goes into man. This is gonna be a great episode, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be a great episode. Right on. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty epic. <laughs> well, do you uh, so what? So I, I earlier you were talking um, what we were talking about kind of what got you into the subject. Do you know what like uh, what was your first um, su um cryptid? cryptozoological book that you that did you ever check out anything like that when you were growing up or um yeah uh well uh what is it all the uh, unexplained mysteries books uh yep. <laughs> yeah. um uh, my, my first ones were like you know little kids ones where they're uh, elementary school you know but every there they had a, each subject on bigfoot ufo everything and uh 
remember reading every book on that shelf. Yeah. Nowadays, I'm more I'm kind of interested in uh, alien abductions. Mm-hmm. Uh, Have you been uh, on? At, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, oh, I wasn't going to say anything else. <laughs> oh, I was just going to ask you: uh, Do you listen to uh, uh, Tony Merkel's The Confessionals podcast at all? Um, I was uh, looking into it. I haven't uh, reached out to them yet. I might have put in a, a written submission. Yeah, that's there. Uh, him, uh, uh, Tony from the Confessionals podcast and Wes Germer from uh, this, uh, Sasquatch Chronicles podcast just took my interview and they're both great guys, man. Um, great interviewers. And uh, I know you're trying to get this story out there. So uh, those two, as well as Derek Hayes is uh, Monsters Among Us. Derek Hayes, that was it, yeah. yeah. Um, those podcasts, all three of those are spectacular. You, you might also want to check out... Um, uh, the Paranormal Portal with Brent Thomas. Uh-huh. He, he is a superb guy. He takes all sorts of accounts. You could you could talk UFOs with him all night long, man. You could talk, <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's a. Uh, oh yeah. Those, those are all all great podcasts to uh, try to bring. You know, and I know you've been contacting you know me and other people, and uh, uh, didn't didn't you contact Bigfoot Radio? You know, was that? Uh-huh. Hide and seek, is that it? Hide and seek, hide and seek. That's yeah. the one that we were talking about. Uh-huh. Uh, another, another one I just found out about, uh, and it's great, is uh, Forest Floor, F L E U R, Forest uh-huh. Floor podcast, and that's that's a superb podcast as well. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, I'll have to, yeah, you should check the and he'll take, they'll, they'll all take your story, man. They'll <laughs> all take it. Yeah. Right you know, we're, we're, we're all, it's, it's all about collecting data, information yeah. and, you know, and comparing. And a lot of times you'll get, um, uh, evidence out of that. So, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, like this happened in the 1990s and it's been like hidden until, until now. Yeah. But it's, it's crucial to see what track, like where these things happen. Like, well, and you know, and like you said, you had uh, when you first seen them, you were talking about you had the title. I think was the Yucca Man. And right. I was, like, I was like, what? Never heard of this before. Yucca Man. <laughs> um, but then shortly after, I was listening to uh, I forget what podcast it was, but it was someone talking about their experience, and they brought up the name. And I was like, okay, it's one of those things. You know, you never hear. It's like when you get a car you've never heard of before, and you purchase it. And you start driving around, and all of a sudden, you start seeing it everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, like, I remember Google searching it, so I'm like, someone else had to have seen these things. So, like, yeah. middle, you know, neighborhood, like, she couldn't be the only ones. Like, I Googled big, hairy thing in the desert, or, you know, creature, and, like, first thing comes up is Yucca Man. Da, da, da. Yeah. I'm like, huh, I guess so. Like, <laughs> Well, if you uh, do, you have anything else you want to conclude uh, tonight with? Uh, big fan. <laughs> Love cool. what you guys are doing. Cool. I appreciate. Yeah. It. I appreciate yeah. it a lot. That means a lot, man. It's uh, it's uh, I'm looking for a secondary right now. It's right now. It's just me, um, doing all the audio editing and recording and all that stuff. I'm kind of trying to uh, go with like a Joe Rogan aspect where. Um, I'll have, you know, someone backing me up 
um, checking what I'm saying and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But uh, oh yeah, yeah, classy. Yeah, yeah but um, <laughs> until I get there, I'm, I'm just doing my best. I appreciate I appreciate you listening, man, and hitting me up and being agreeing to come on. It's awesome. I'm glad we got a good one. It's almost yeah. Now, so it'll be a good yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. Intelligent minds combined. Yes. yes yeah. exactly and i dude i'm i'm all i'm all for uh you know hanging out and and brainstorming i had a uh, bigfoot anonymous connor flynn on <clears throat> a couple months ago and we had a like almost a four-hour conversation man it was, uh, it, was yeah. uh, it was too good for me to have to edit so i just left <laughs> the whole a lot of people it irritated a lot of people but there's so much goodness man i can't let that go so uh, that's genuine yeah yeah but uh all right brother well thanks you uh thank you very much for coming on and and uh being a uh, guest and your uh, your aunt's story is incredible um yeah it's it's gotten me very interested i'm gonna have to do some deep diving and uh do a whole a whole uh you know hour and some odd minutes on the yucca man on this episode when i release it so all right johnny thank you buddy we'll see you soon all right thank you And that's all I got for you today. Now, I'm an evidence-driven individual, and I personally fall into the Sasquatch category when it comes to the Yucca Man, as I believe that's where the evidence lies. But if you have a different theory, let me know what you think at sciencemeetsbigfoot at gmail.com, on our Facebook page, Instagram, or Twitter account, or on the voicemail line. Again, that number is 641-715-3900, extension 448-449. You can also find this interview on YouTube at Bigfoot in the Citizen Scientist Podcast YouTube page. And if you enjoyed today's show, please make sure you hit that bell notification, like, and share button, and share the show around. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, your grandma's, uncle's, mom's, nephew's, niece's house around the dinner table. I don't care how you share it. Just share away. All right. So in closing, always remember, green means grow, ripe means you rot. Stay in the green zone, never get ripe. We never stop learning. So with that in mind, love each other. Love yourselves, be kind, be safe, and until next time.
Make it. 